I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. Did you know that on average it takes seven years for women to seek medical advice on postnatal issues such as incontinence? Our postnatal health is still something that so often gets brushed onto the carpet or popped into a box to deal with later. My guest today, Emma Brockwell, is on a mission to empower women to seek the help they need and care for themselves postnatally. Emma is a specialist pelvic health physiotherapist and the author of Why Did No One Tell Me? How to Protect, Heal and Nurture Your Body Through Motherhood. It's a guide for women to take control of and protect their changing bodies through pregnancy, childbirth and motherhood. It's the first handbook from a leading women's health expert on prenatal and postnatal conditions and it is well worth a read. In our chat today, we cover everything from why pelvic health is so important, practical things that you can be doing if you're pregnant to help with postnatal recovery, and how to look after yourself in that fourth trimester and beyond. If you're new to the podcast, it would be great if you can rate, review and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on. But enough of all that, here is the wonderful and wise Emma Brockwell. Emma, a warm welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Oh, I'm very good, thank you. I'm very excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you for coming on. Let's kick off by asking, why is pelvic health so important? (sighs) Why isn't it important? Well, exactly. it's, (laughs) it's, It's fundamental, I think, to women's health and men's health actually but as with as we're predominantly talking about women today um it's 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 the reason truthfully why if you have good pelvic health you don't leak urine or suffer any fecal incontinence um if you have pelvic health issues you might have signs of pelvic organ prolapse which might present as a bulge in your vagina or heaviness in your vagina. Um, pelvic health affects your sex life. It affects how you exercise. It affects your well-being. Um, and so if you have good pelvic health, most women are able to do all that they want um, happily without any distraction uh, from from their pelvic area. So, it's for me the core, the 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 main reason 
or the main thing that we should be thinking about from teenage years. Unfortunately, though, we're not. No, we're not. And your book is brilliantly called Why Did No One Tell Me? Um, And it really does feel like it's one of those things that we're not really talking about. Um, You know, when I was pregnant for the first time 10, 11 years ago, I think the most that was really talked about was doing your pelvic floor exercises, but it didn't go much beyond that. And I don't even remember really reading about why or what the consequences of not doing it. And between you and me, I didn't really do many. I was like, oh no, you know, oh no, that's too much faff. Um, But why (laughs) has it taken so long for us to be properly talking about pelvic health? Yeah, good question, really. I think it's because unfortunately that whole area, the whole vulval area is full of taboo and embarrassment. Um, For so long now, women have been told that if they, for example, leak urine after having a baby, that that's just part of having had a baby and women for decades have accepted that to be the norm Um, and women that do suffer a lot with those issues just don't want to talk about them Um, the irony is that one in three women after having a baby will leak urine sadly and uh, one in ten women after having a baby will experience painful sex and uh, we've just put up with these unnecessary symptoms accepted that we can't jump on the trampoline with our children that we can't go for a run without wearing a pad it becomes almost like a bit of a gag doesn't it like you know me and my school mum friends like we we do make jokes like if if one of the kids is having a trampoline party you know it's like oh we can't go on the trampoline and it yeah and it's true but it's just become this kind of punchline almost, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It doesn't help with the uh, with the well-known adverts uh, from the continent's products companies saying, calling them oops moments and, you know, never mind, just pop a pad in and all will be well. Uh, it definitely is not okay just to have to wear a pad. Um, and I, don't, I, th- I think a lot of that is down to the influences of advertising and the patriarchy, unfortunately, because I definitely know men wouldn't put up with it. It's always the patriarchy. Oh, I know, isn't it? I hate, I, I feel like oh, we sound like a broken record, don't it's we? It's such a cliche, this? isn't it? It's know, like, it is a cliche. Oh, patriarchy. Yeah, I know, but I think there's truth in that. Um, I think when I really got into this about 10 years ago, it wasn't spoken about. And I think social media has done a huge service to this area in raising its profile. Having influencers talk about their moments where they leak or they think they might have a prolapse has made a huge difference. It's got the conversation started. It started to normalise the taboos, break down the stigmas. And that's what we've needed for a very long time. And I'd say in the past three or four years, the, the tide has turned, which is great, but social media is a bubble. And when I'm in clinic, I'm still treating so many women who are there by default or just because their friend told them about what I do and that they don't have to put up with these symptoms. And so we've still got an awful lot of work to do to educate women around pelvic health and also really blow these myths out out of the water. It's so true, isn't it? And I definitely know that I, that my own personal kind of learning journey, you know, from me talking about how 10, 11 years ago when I was first pregnant, this wasn't talked about to now my awareness is so much higher and it is to do with social media. And it's interesting you, you mentioned the incontinence pad products. Um, and I, 
part of my kind of learning has been seeing people doing, you know, working, people who I follow, you know, influencers, I hate that term, but influencers yeah. working with these brands and then seeing the backlash probably from people like you, to be honest, kind of coming in and saying, oh, this isn't yeah. great. Um, and I myself did, I worked with one of those brands, but the only reason I did it was because they, it was a whole campaign with the gynae geek, Dr. Anita Mitra. Yes. And it was very much about educating people you know, into how to improving their pelvic health alongside using these products if they have to. So to me, that felt like a bit different to, you know, just saying everyone just, you know, whack a pad in and be done with it. I agree. But I think that's only because in the past few years, they've changed their stance on it. So they are joining up with uh, amazing medical professionals like Dr. Anita Mitra and turning the table a little bit so they're saying look if you leak urine here's a pad that can help make you feel more comfortable less embarrassed if you're leaking that's 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 crucial because we don't want women to be leaking through their trousers and 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 feeling that embarrassment but what they've cleverly done now is got to get on board with the professional healthcare professionals who are saying right well let's use that as a temporary measure but let's also teach women that there's something that they can do about these symptoms and so i'm very much on board with with that sort of advertising because it serves a purpose and it's it's showing women that pad isn't the answer a pad is a help towards what will be a solution if you if you seek treatment so i th- i think they've actually done a really good thing and almost and almost helped promote pelvic health in a, in a really positive way and of course you know we're not cynical at all we don't think they're doing this in order <laughs> to sell more pads clearly they have uh, everyone's best interest at heart right of course of course of course <laughs> hey look, i'm just trying to be positive here um i think i just i just think with pelvic health or any medical issue you have to work collaboratively and there isn't an absolute right for everything and we we do need we do need pads we, we we simply do because as i say we don't want women leaking through their trousers or feeling like they can't do things but we do want them to say here look go and see a pelvic health physio or do your pelvic floor exercises so you don't have to use these forever and we need more emphasis on that what i'd love is if they designed a pad where you looked at the pad and it said, do your pelvic floor exercises when you put it into your <laughs> yes. knickers. Um, and that actually, that idea sadly isn't mine. That's of, uh, a, a well-known pelvic health physio called Elaine Miller, who's also a comedian. And she very much promotes that sort of collaborative work with these brands. So, uh, so yeah, I think there's still a lot of work they can do, but it's better than it was 10 years ago. Yes. And I think the next stage is, um, I guess, reusable in the same way that we've got reusable period products. We need to really focus on anything that we are using to help us um, with those oops moments, which, yeah, I agree is a bit of a cringe term. Um, Yeah, it it needs to be, it needs to be kind of better for the planet, doesn't it? Yeah, it needs to be sustainable, sustainable products because you're right. They are, they they have huge, um, these things aren't biodegradable. They must have a huge impact on the environment. So, like so much, there's so much work to be done on, on, on these products. Um, but, I think they're getting the message. I hope they're getting the message and I hope they're looking to change a lot of their, 
a lot of their ways with with how they market and and change the product itself. Yes. Um, now, what um, what were your own pregnancies and births like, and how have they affected your own pelvic health? Are you are you happy to share? Yeah, of course. Oh, I want to tell you that it was a beautiful, my pregnancies were beautiful and how every woman dreams of, of them to be, but they weren't. I am not a good pregnant person. Um, I had <laughs> hyperemesis through both of oh, my pregnancies. No, oh, the it's just the pits. It really is. So I am a very active person. I just love exercising and I very much had this dream that I'd still continue exercising at a high level throughout pregnancy. And lo and behold, hyperemesis got in it got in my way so I could barely get out of bed if I'm honest for for quite a lot of my first pregnancy in particular and um I've never been so unwell quite frankly um and unfortunately delivery didn't go to plan either of course we all want well most of us a lot of us want that that serene water birth and uh I ended up being induced uh failure to that word it's, it, it really has to change that doesn't it oh just all of our all of the language and everything has to change you know incompetent cervix and all of these terrible terrible uh words that we use really need to change geriatric mum's another one that i want to change Ugh. um and uh yes anyway i ended up having an emergency c-section with my first child oscar and a really really tough recovery i think because i was so poorly and weak from the hyperemesis uh, all my muscles, everything had really, really lost a lot of tone and strength. So I really struggled, struggled to recover. And because I'd been vomiting for so much of the pregnancy, that really affected my pelvic floor. So I had uh, some urinary leakage. I had a small uh, pelvic organ prolapse, had a big tummy gap as well. And I just felt awful. And all I wanted to do was get back to running because that's what I love. And um, my goodness, I had so many problems and hit so many hurdles along the way simply because I didn't really have some clear guidance or rehabilitation to get me back to running safely and effectively. And that's really where professionally things changed for me because I started to really explore the world of pelvic health. I'd always been a physio, but a sports physio. And um, I really started specialising, reading, researching, and decided that I wanted to share my knowledge with other women because I didn't want them to experience what I'd experienced. And so my second pregnancy wasn't good either, but my actual recovery was much better just because I was much more knowledgeable in how to recover postnatally. And honestly, the things I experienced were things that I see all day in clinic and a lot of those things are preventable and all of those things are treatable. You just need to know who to see to help you. So if someone's listening and they're pregnant, what are the things that they can be doing to help their pelvic health as the pregnancy progresses? So if you have a healthy, low-risk pregnancy, I would very much advocate that you are as active as you can be. So we have guidelines that we follow um, which recommend that every low-risk pregnant woman is exercising for about 150 minutes a week uh, so it's about 30 minutes a day but you don't necessarily have to be exercising you can be physically active so if this is your second baby you might just be running around with a toddler I mean my goodness we know how physically active mums are um, even going up the stairs or gardening just just trying to to keep as active as possible 
is really important. Um, I would very much advocate, if you can, try and do some strength training. So that doesn't have to be with weights. That can just be with your own body resistance, so squatting or lunging um, or using some resistance bands. And, of course, doing your pelvic floor exercises, ideally every day. Um, and I appreciate they are not the most exciting exercises to do, um, but they pay dividends if you do them they really do and actually what I would say is even if you are a high-risk pregnancy and unfortunately you can't exercise as I've already said you can remain as active as possible but just by doing your pelvic floor exercises that will certainly help your pelvic health during pregnancy and certainly after pregnancy I'm doing mine now, right now. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Just <laughs> uh, what you say, it's really important. I was like, no, no, it is, it is. Um, are there things like, I've, um, I haven't ever used it, but I've heard of that Squeezy app and I've seen that recommended. Would you recommend something like that? I love that. It's um, NHS endorsed, $2.99 and you pop it on your phone and it, it just pings up a reminder to do your pelvic floor exercises. It also has a lovely little graphic that you can use, which if you want to, you can turn it on and squeeze and relax your pelvic floor as the ball and uh, circle move um, up and down. Um, I like it because it reminds us, it helps you get into ro a routine. However, I have a lot of patients who have the Squeezy app and do a very good flick of the reminder. Oh, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. So you really have to have the reminder pop up at the time when you are probably definitely going to do it. So I tend to do my exercises when I'm brushing my teeth. Um, but if you're new to doing pelvic floor exercises, actually doing them when you're brushing your teeth is quite hard. You do need to have a bit of focus on them. Um, so, you know, find a time that fits and suits you. And the Squeezy app definitely allows you to change the times on it so that you can do it at a time that's right for you. But but try and do them if you can, because they are important. Yeah. Um, something else that I know is important that I didn't do in either of my pregnancies is, and I'm going to pronounce it wrongly, I'm sure, um, perineal massage is that have I said that right yes yes perineal massage yes thank you for remembering reminding me of that that's important too isn't it says the lady who hasn't ever done it <laughs> <laughs> yes I love that we're we're recommending all these things here um honestly Alison you are not alone at all I can assure you uh it's very useful to do perineal massage. You would do it ordinarily from about 34 weeks of pregnancy. And the perineum is, is that bridge between the vagina and the anus. So it's that tissue that bridges the two, the two um, entrances together. And it's part of the pelvic floor. And if you have a vaginal delivery, what will happen is that tissue will stretch and lengthen as baby descends into the birthing canal. Now, the big head coming out of quite a small opening there. Now, obviously, that opening is going to get bigger and bigger, but obviously that tissue is going to get stretched too. So what we see from really strong evidence is that if women are carrying out perineal massage from about 34 weeks, once or twice a week, that will help stretch the tissue. Now, the importance of that is we're trying to reduce tearing and episiotomies. When women deliver vaginally for the first time, unfortunately, about 90% of women will tear around the perineal area. And I say that not to frighten women because it doesn't need to be frightening at all. I'm talking tears, grazes, bruises. That's, that's what probably 
best case scenario you're going to experience. And to reassure you, they heal really quickly and really well. What we want to reduce are the bigger tears, which are called third or fourth degree tears. And unfortunately, they do extend into the back passage. And one of the ways we think we can help reduce that with unfortunately no guarantee is by doing perineal massage. Um, it's not the most pleasant thing to have to do. It's certainly not the most glamorous thing to have to do, but research shows it is effective. And I would suggest even if you're having a plan C-section that you carry this out because baby might not have got the memo that you're having a plan C-section and might still come vaginally. So if your body's prepared for that stretching, it's going to be certainly to your advantage if you've, if you've done it. See, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, especially with my first pregnancy, I wish I'd done it because I had a third degree tear for um, oh, when I gave you? birth. And at one point, I remember them all kind of like, you know, I think it was probably like three or four of them just peering, peering in at me and um, like between, between my legs and saying, oh, we might have to take you into surgery. And oh. then they decided they didn't. They didn't need to. Um, right. I was just like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, no, I should have done it. Should have done it. So, well, shoulda woulda coulda but you might have still done it and unfortunately you might have experienced a third mm. or third or fourth a third degree tear sorry i mean there are no guarantees with these things and birthing just isn't an exact science crikey if it were wouldn't that be amazing um so i don't think don't don't live with regret of that because you might have spent all that time doing it and been equally as disappointed that it still happened but we just We've just got to think about preventative measures and, and how we can protect mums, bodies, uh, because certainly once babies come, unfortunately, our, our bodies, us, we do get forgotten and um, we also forget ourselves. And that's simply not OK, because the healthier and happier you are, the healthier and happier your family unit's going to be. So, so you know, I think self-care is so important. And, and I get it. I, as a mum, I, I, I'm as guilty as the next person for just not doing my basic self-care. But it really is so important. So, so yeah, if you, if, if, if it doesn't overwhelm you too much, try the perineal massage. Um, if you haven't done it and you're about to deliver tomorrow, please don't worry. There are lots of great techniques that the midwives use during vagina deliveries to help support your perineum and still reduce your chances of perineal tearing. So, so please don't, don't let this be a, a scaremongering part, uh, when you listen to it. Um, because sometimes you just can't stop these things happening. Um, but it's nice to know that there are a few things that potentially are in your, in your control. So what other things can happen during childbirth, both vaginal and cesarean? Um, what other, you know, things we need to be thinking about, I guess, um, you know, during, during delivery? During delivery, really, um, I mean, we can certainly think about going back to reducing that, those perineal tears. And that would be working with your midwife who might be aware of something called the, the OACI bundle, uh, which is where during, as you're about to birth, they'll put some, a warm compress around your perineum and support your perineum as you birth. And it's worth speaking to your midwife about whether the hospital that they work, that they work in or that you're about to have baby in uses that procedure a lot. 
I'd say actually the majority of hospitals use that now. And if you head to the RCOG website, you can read about that and you can discuss that with your midwife. And that's something that actually can be used not just in hospital, but home birthing as well. Um, when it comes to cesareans, I would definitely recommend getting familiar with the environment because if you end up having a planned cesarean you'll potentially have the opportunity if not to go to the operating theatre but to have a look online as to what the operating theatre looks like um, and I, I, I'm I, very much of the opinion that the more familiar with the environment we're going to be in the more relaxed and and positive your birthing experience is going to be so you can look online at what you're about to experience be aware that during a c-section there's an awful lot of healthcare and medical professionals in the room and i was not expecting that with my emergency c-section now with an emergency c-section there's often more hands on deck but it's just good to know that there's going to be a lot of people around and that's okay and they all need to be there it's not because something really terrible has happened it's just because that's part of the process and so just becoming familiar with your environment and what you're going to expect can really prepare your mind um, for 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 what's to come and we want women to have a positive birthing experience even if you don't have perhaps what you've planned which let's use an example of the water birth even if it ends up as a forceps delivery in theatre, doesn't mean it has to be a negative experience. And the more prepared you are for what to expect, the more well-read you are around the subject, I think the more positive that whole experience will be for you. So don't be afraid to ask questions, ask questions and, and do have a look on some reliable websites like the NCT website, like Tommy's uh, website, that give you lots of good information on, on, on what to expect on the big day, because that will certainly help. That's imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Really good advice. Um, and in terms of cesareans, um, it's quite a big healing process. What does that do to your pelvic health? Um you know, it's quite a different healing process, isn't it, to a vaginal yeah. birth? Yeah, it is. We, I think, still underplay cesarean sections. Cesarean sections are major abdominal surgery. And 
lots of the time it's depicted that it's the easy option. While having had two myself, I can assure you it is not the easy option. Have, you didn't have, did you have cesareans, Alison? I, I had a vaginal birth with my eldest and I, I had a cesarean with my twins. Ah, okay. So you can compare the two. I can't yes. compare the two. Um, but I, <laughs> I certainly don't think it's an easy option. Um, the whole abdominal wall is opened and the whole abdominal wall then needs to heal as well. And I don't know if you remember, but I'll never forget the first day after having um, Oscar and I just couldn't move. I couldn't roll over. I couldn't cough. Um, all the little things that you just forget that your abdomen is used for or your ab- abdominal muscles are used for, all of a sudden you can't do. So it does take a while and your body is just amazing. I mean, it does, it does recover well in that sense very quickly. Um, but don't underestimate how much has just happened to your body. You need to rest. You need to recover and you still need to do boringly your pelvic floor exercises because (laughs) even though you haven't delivered vaginally you still carried a big weight around and on top of your pelvic floor for nine months and so like any weight is going to stress that muscle and there's this big myth that if you've had a c-section you don't need to do your pelvic floor exercises and you very much do unfortunately that is not a get out of jail card when you've had a cesarean and because your pelvic floor muscles are attached and connect to your deep tummy muscles by doing your pelvic floor exercises that's going to actually help you rehabilitate and start building those blocks to strengthen your abdominal wall so no matter who you are, however you birth, you have to do your pelvic floor exercises. And then you have to obviously do lots of strengthening, lots of rehabilitation to build up strength around that abdominal wall so that we can reduce the chances of you experiencing any low back pain or any discomfort. And just so that you can be a mum, mums have to be strong and having a good, strong tummy really, really helps. I'm not talking six pack here, um, but I'm just talking about general global muscular strength to help you carry all those car seats and buggies and everything else so seeing a pelvic health physiotherapist can really help in that they can give you an individual program to rehabilitate correctly for you so let's talk about that because obviously we have the is it a six-week checkup or an eight-week checkup i can never remember Uh, which i think probably changes tending to fall into the eight week now along with babies yeah you go along to the GP and my experience of that is, um, it's mostly about the baby and my GP kind of glanced me over it and said, how are you feeling? Any kind of postnatal depression? And I'm like, no. And I said to her, do you want to have a look at my cesarean scar? And she was like, no, not really. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, then that's it. Um, and I was really surprised that that was it and that there was no, it, it felt inadequate to me personally. And I actually then, I think it was probably quite a few weeks later, I booked myself a private um, pelvic health physio um, MOT, I guess. It it wasn't that mummy MOT that everyone talks about. It was just locally to me. Um, And it was it was such money well spent. It was so, so good. So tell me, what are your thoughts on the uh, the checkup that we all go for? And (sighs) yeah. Without ruffling too many feathers. Um, it's hard, isn't it? Because it's right, really okay. Hard. So I, I, I spoke about this recently and I had a GP message me on Instagram to say, 
we're doing our best. And I know, I'm like, I know. I totally get it. This isn't me criticizing GPs. Absolutely. I know that you haven't got much time and I'm, I'm kind of criticizing the system that we should. Yeah. It should be set up differently and better for, for new mums. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think the, the, the first reaction is always to, to bash the GPs around this GP check. And, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are GPs. A lot of them aren't actually trained in, in really checking pelvic floors and abdominal walls. That's not offered to them as part of their education at, at the moment. And if it is, it's probably a 20 minute chat or presentation on it, which isn't sufficient. Um, and they simply aren't don't have the time they aren't contracted a lot of these surgeries to offer this service um that's changed actually now um more and more are becoming contracted to do to do the checks but also getting more training so i think in a few years things will really have changed and you know what it's just sod's law that covid came along when i think a lot of these changes were going to be implemented and now there's so much going on in the NHS. It's under so much stress and strain that I'm sure we'll get there, but I don't think it's unfortunately quite as big a priority at the moment as, as it absolutely needs to be. Um, but it, but it will, it will get there. But for now, unfortunately, when you go to your GP check, it's often emer- merged with your, uh, baby's check and baby takes priority as it should but often you'll just get a nice friendly verbal how are you feeling do you would you like some contraception and oh yeah i forgot about that they always ask about contraception and i was a bit like forget that i've got got twins i've got newborn (laughs) twins you asked me about contraception I know, isn't it bonkers? It's the last <laughs> they've thing got really to, they've got to. About. And I think I'm sure I'm sure I read in your book um that you can get pregnant three weeks after having given yeah. birth. Oh my goodness. Don't think either that breastfeeding is a is a foolproof contraceptive because it's not. And I have a lot of patients who will test testify to that. So always, always consider contraception. It bit you know, maybe not the pill, but condoms for sure. Um, but you won't often get a huge amount of physical check within the GP check, unfortunately. Now, what I'd say to that is, that is what it is. So whilst you're there, ask them if you can see a pelvic health physiotherapist who will do a thorough check of your whole body inside and out with your consent. And if you um, happen to have my book, there's a little checklist that you can take to the GP at the back, um, which if you just feel a bit embarrassed and you don't want to say, oh, you know what, I'm leaking urine. Well, firstly, don't feel embarrassed. But if you do feel embarrassed, take the checklist and just say, look, this is what I'm experiencing. I know that pelvic health physios exist. I know they can help me. Please, would you refer me to one? Now, obviously, on the NHS, the waiting lists are long, but they are well worth the wait. And I you know, they've been doing an incredible job of keeping their list as low as possible throughout COVID. You can, of course, go down the private route as well. I don't think you should have to do that. Um, but again, systems are stretched and stressed. So at least we have the private sector that can help. And there's what's well known now as the mummy MOT. It's effectively what we do as pelvic health physiotherapists. It was beautifully coined um, by, by a physio called Maria Elliott um, and packaged really nicely. But if you go to any pelvic health physio, even if they're not advertising themselves as a mummy MOT, they'll still carry out a postnatal check for you. And it's just so worth it. Personally, I would have every woman 
no matter how you've delivered, regardless of symptom, I would have you see a pelvic health physio because what we've got to do is think about how we prevent issues occurring later in life. And unfortunately, once you've had a baby, you are more predisposed to issues occurring later in life. So have that check, ask for it, push for it if you have to. It's so worth it. You, 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 you've just said that yourself. I've had one. I, couldn't speak highly enough of them and that's not just because I do them that's because I think they're essential mm. um yeah to be honest it didn't even occur to me at the time to try and get one through my GP which I feel a bit foolish saying that but I think at the time I just um thought oh that's just something I'll have to I think it was like maybe 80 quid I paid um I paid for yes. mine so to me it felt like it was you know that's 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 a fair amount of money just to you know pay it in one go but it felt I was having really bad um, coccyx pain, which I think oh. was um, from carrying twins, and um, my core was all just my my core is still really weak. So it's something I'm 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 working on it. I'm working on it, but it was so helpful, and um, they gave me such a thorough check, like you say, inside and out, and just gave me um, a bunch of exercises to take away um, to do, which helped massively. It was so good. It's so good. I know we have to be careful as physios. We don't give mums too much to do because you just don't have the time and then you, you lose the compliance to doing it, any of it. Um, but so don't think you're going into that assessment on coming away with hundred exercises because that's just not, that's just not realistic. But you'd be amazed. Even three or four exercises can make quite a difference to symptoms that you're experiencing or even prevent symptoms happening. So yeah, go for it. Ask away because it's a service that's there for you and it's a service that you very much should be be having as a bog standard part of your postnatal recovery. Yeah, I agree. Um, now you mentioned earlier that there are, you know, that self care in that postnatal period is so important. And it can be such a tricky time with hormones raging and getting hardly any sleep. And like you said, you know, we're so, it feels like you haven't got a minute to yourself, especially, you know, if you're, if you're breastfeeding, even if you're not breastfeeding, you know, doing bottles and expressing and all of those, however you're feeding your baby, it just takes up so much time. Yes. Um, what can we be doing in that, in that postnatal period to look after ourselves a bit more when all of this is going on? Mm, it's tricky, isn't it? It's even harder with twins, I bet. My goodness. Yeah. How, <laughs> how you even go there with that? Um, I think keep it really simple. So <laughs> aim low. Don't expect too much of yourself. So, I don't think we're kind enough to ourselves postnatally. There's this horrible, still ongoing bounce back myth that we're still trying to bust where some women do just bounce back. They do. You know, that's just lucky genetics and uh, it happens to the very rare. But for most women, it does take time to recover. And in some countries, they'll have a resting month where essentially they do nothing else other than sleep, be fed, feed baby, sleep. They're, they are looked after in, in, in countries like China. They are very much looked after for a month. And that, that period of recovery or that fourth trimester is very much respected. And there's a reason for that because you've just been through a major life changing event and you do need time to rest and recover. And I do see a lot of mums I treat in, in London and around the, the Surrey area and oh, put so much pressure on themselves to be this 
mum that exercises does a thousand classes in one day for baby and also fits in five coffees in in one morning you know it's an awful lot and I think that's societal pressures and there's this just this ideal idea that women should should just bounce back and it doesn't happen so I would just encourage you to allow yourself time allow yourself to rest, allow yourself to sleep. The more we sleep, the more we will recover. And that's a really hard commodity to come across when you're, when you're a new mum. But when baby is sleeping, try and have a little nap yourself. And I was the worst for that. I'd think, oh no, I've got to go and empty the dishwasher. But actually there's value in sleeping because it helps you recover really effectively. Try and eat well if you can. Um, if you can prepare food before baby comes, so it's in the freezer, that's great. If not, use your friends, use your family to help prepare some meals for you, some good nutritious meals, and try and have a little bit of you time as well. Lots of mums feel really guilty about this, about leaving baby with another family member or, or, or close friend for even half an hour. There's this, there's this mum guilt, um, which I just hate. It's unnecessary. And you need a bit of time. You'd need a bit of time, not only for your physical health, but also for your mental health as well. And I think just having a little bit of time to maybe go and walk around the block or catch up with a friend without baby or even just sit in the bath and read a book for half an hour is really important and I say all this not having done it myself and regretting not doing it myself because I I guess mentally I paid for that because I did suffer with some really low mood and anxiety and physically, I suffered with that because I actually went the other way and did too much exercise and ended up injuring myself. So, you know, we've got to strike a balance. And I just don't think we do strike a balance very well in this country. And that's because we put too much pressure on ourselves. That's yeah. that's my opinion anyway. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm completely with you on this. First time round for me, I was the same. I, I didn't, didn't do any of that. And um really suffered like I I, I postnatal depression when I'm with with my eldest and um second time around I did I did do those things that you were saying in terms of I got more sleep and I ignored that kind of nagging gnawing feeling of you should be doing something you should be you know um emptying the dishwasher or you know all of those things because we're it's we're so hardwired to be busy and do things and get get things done. And I just said to myself, I, I bought myself one of those eye masks so that I could sleep during oh, the day. Brilliant. And I was like, no, I, I had to really give myself a talking to. I was like, I know that I will be a better mum later on in the day if I get even 45 minutes or an hour of sleep right now. And I, I forced myself to do it and it worked. Like I really, I was really surprised actually that I managed to, That's but it's amazing. so, so important, isn't it? And I think, yeah, going back to what you were saying about other countries and other cultures that really look after the mum in that fourth trimester. Um, I, um, I was really kind of strict and 
didn't invite friends around to meet the twins when they were born. And um, can I put a message out? We've got quite a lot of local friends because because my eldest is at primary school. We've got a lot of local friends. And I kind of said, just let everyone know, we're going to have a couple of weeks where it's just us. And, you know, my in-laws came around and that was fine. But even them, we kind of put them off for quite a few days. Oh, did you? That's so good. Which can be quite awkward. Luckily, they were on holiday for the first few (laughs) days. And then we kind of just like fobbed them off a little bit. But it can be a bit awkward because I think people almost feel some like sometimes family members can almost feel like it's their right to come round and meet their new member of the family. And why wouldn't you want us to come round and mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's so overwhelming though, all these faces. I mean, you're still in the process of recovering and you're shattered and you've got to make small talk with people and all you really want to be doing is having a nap. And I, I get it because you're excited. You want to celebrate your baby with everyone. But let me tell you, there's plenty of time to do that. There really is. And and I think you've hit the nail on the head. There's no harm in just being honest with people and saying, you know what, we're just going under for a few weeks. We'll be back and we really want to celebrate our baby with you, but we just need a bit of us time. And it's just fundamental. And don't feel ashamed of it. In fact, totally embrace it and you'll feel quite empowered by it for sure I, I think it's nice if you have got friends who understand um last year i chatted to mars lord the doula mm-hmm. on this podcast you should go back yeah. and have a listen she told this wonderful story about i think it's when she'd had her twins because she has got twins uh-huh. um two friends of hers knocked on the door and um she answered and they said we're not here to see you get back into the living room we're not here to see you <laughs> And so she went back into the living room and she could hear them cleaning her bathroom, <laughs> cleaning her kitchen. And then they poked their head round the door and said, right, um, switch your oven off in 45 minutes. There's a lasagna in there for you. Right, bye. And they just oh, left. Wow. <laughs> it was like, oh. that's what you need. You need friends who would just, who, who, they're not here to take up your time or your headspace. They're just here to help. That's the dream, isn't it? Oh my yeah. goodness. Well, for anyone listening that's not about to give birth, but is, has a friend that's about to give birth, if you can do that for them. Do that. Wow, what a dream. <laughs> I'd have loved that. That's brilliant. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, now, per- perinatal mental health, we've touched on that, but it's such a big issue. How does someone tell the difference between baby blues and something more serious like postnatal depression or anxiety? Oh, this is massive and it affects so many women. One in, I mean, they say one in five, I'd, I'd say in clinics, certainly over COVID, I'm seeing it with every mum everyone's really struggled it's been a really tough time for new mums so I'm really sorry for that um baby blues you'd experience in the first week or two and that's just where you're feeling low hormones are up and down so much has happened you're exhausted and to an extent probably something we all experience a little postnatal depression and more serious postnatal mental health issues are when they occur for a lot, a lot, much longer period of time. So if your low mood isn't picking up within the next, sort of, you know, after three or four weeks of having had your baby, first of all, hopefully that would have been picked up by your health visitor. But for a lot of women, that doesn't happen just because some women are good at hiding it, don't want to disclose it. Um, but if you're really feeling low, feeling things about baby that you didn't think you would feel, maybe negative thoughts, 
just feeling not like yourself, perhaps you're becoming quite obsessive about certain things, then that's the time you really need to try and reach out to your health visitor or your GP or even your partner or friend or family because the sooner that you can get help, the better. And there is so much help out there now. There's some amazing charities that you can also access like Pandas. Um, you are not alone. And that's really important thing to say. You are certainly not the only person to have experienced postnatal depression or, or other mental health issues. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It affects us all. It affected me. It's affected Alison. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. It can affect you. And so it's something that needs to be treated immediately. And if you're a friend or family listening and you have noticed changes with with the, the person that you're friends with or that you love, that you're concerned about, speak to these charities like Pandas or or call the GP and see if 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 they can, you know, give give that person a call because it's really important that we act and get treatment for that person. I think also it's worth saying that it doesn't necessarily always happen kind of immediately after yes. having a baby. Yes. So I when I stopped breastfeeding my twins, um, I, I think it was the massive dip in oxytocin levels. Um, really, uh, I was, I probably had about three or four or five weeks of just very low mood. Um, and I kind of worked out that that's what the reason was, but I still wanted to deal with it. So I spoke to my GP and they arranged for, um, CBT. That doesn't sound right. It is CBT, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They arranged some like on the phone CBT sessions to help me. Um, so I think it's probably worth, yeah, just flagging that it's, it's not a case of you get to six months and you feel fine. Therefore, that's it. You're out of the woods. There are, there are still possibilities and scenarios Absolutely. where it might hit you. Yeah. You're spot on. Generally, it's in, it incorporates that first year of motherhood. Um, and, and obviously women who've experienced birth trauma as well, um, can very much experience these, these feelings and these mental health, um, concerns. So it's just so horribly common. And I, I think we're get, getting better at opening up the discussion around it and more and more women are getting better at discussing it with their healthcare professionals, but it's still a taboo subject and it still needs to be talked about and it still needs to be flagged to all women that it can occur no matter who you are or how you've delivered baby, even if it was the most serene of, of, of deliveries and pregnancies it can still affect you and that's okay. And and as you've said, there's a lot of help out there. CBT, medication if it's required, um, counselling. There's a lot, lot of help out there. So so don't be afraid to tap into that. Definitely. In fact, I've just signed up for some counselling therapy. Um, and it is because I had postnatal depression, um, you know, 10 years ago yeah. and didn't deal with it. I didn't actually yeah. even, I mean, I, I say I've got, I had PND. I didn't ever have that diagnosis. I didn't speak to a health professional about it once. It's only looking back and thinking that was definitely PND. Yeah. Um, so speaking to, um, um, this therapist, um, she, reckons that I have got a bunch of unresolved trauma stored up in my body from that time. And 
it's causing all sorts of anxiety and issues now. So I'm going to try and deal with it. So it's never too late to deal with mental health issues that you had after giving birth. Absolutely. That's fascinating. And yeah, I mean, it shows how ingrained these, these, um, events can, can be. And, oh, I'm sorry that you're having to go through that, but amazing that this lady's picked it up and, and, and signposted you. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you. I think that the more we talk about this stuff, the more it's normalized and people are, you know, hopefully happier to reach out and ask for help or tell their loved ones that this is how they're feeling. And it, you know, it kind of smashes that stigma where, you know, they yes. feel like I couldn't possibly admit to this. They're going to think that I'm crazy. They're going to lock me up, you know, all of those kind of like old fashioned, you know, myths that, you know, well, they weren't myths. They were a long time ago. They actually happened, but you know, all of that kind of, you know, stays with so many of us. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's awful. And I, you know, as I, as I already said, I've seen it so much during the pandemic the feeling of isolation for for so many women you know this is you remember when you have that your baby your first baby and it's so overwhelming because all of a sudden you're expected to know how to parent and I must have not read the book because I just didn't have a clue and it's really quite daunting and we when we had our children, obviously, it wasn't during lockdown, and we had a real, well, I certainly had a sense of community around me. And I think a lot of women during the pandemic just have horribly lost that. And that that's massive. So, yeah, I mean, I'd argue every woman who's had a baby during lockdown should probably have some, have had some, some support, some mental health support, because it's just huge what's happened and we underplay it and that's the that that's the the really interesting thing about about giving birth and about about your book actually is that it has this massive effect on us physically but also mentally and emotionally and those two things are completely intertwined and affect each other don't they yeah 100 percent. you can't have one sometimes without the other i mean women who experience pelvic floor dysfunction commonly have an increased rate of depression as well and I kind of think that makes sense you know if you're leaking urine every time you jump on the trampoline or run it makes you feel crappy and it makes you feel low it doesn't make you love your body and it certainly affects that increased rate of mental health uh certainly depression and anxiety and stress so yeah they come hand in hand unfortunately and they're both as equally as taboo as each other and it's just ridiculous because it's 51 percent of the population of women a great proportion of us have babies and yet Still in 2021, these issues that have been occurring for thousands and thousands of years are still stigmatized and taboo. And it's just, it's maddening and it's not okay. And it just, the narrative around this whole perinatal period dramatically needs to change. And I think it is, but we've, we've still got work to do. It definitely is. And I think your book is contributing towards that. Um, Why did no one tell me how to protect, heal and nurture your body through motherhood is out now. Um, Emma, you have been such a great guest today and your words will have helped so many women listening. So thank you so much. 
Um, where can we find you online to hear more from you? Yes, so you can find me on Instagram. I'm at PhysioMumUK or you can head to my website, which is www.physiomum.co.uk. Excellent. Thank you so much, Emma. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Alison. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.